Welcome to Success with Style, everyone. I am Rob Giardinelli. Hi, everyone. I'm Lance Avery Morgan, and we are here with Garrett Light, the founder, CEO. In fact, you're so popular, there are ambulances chasing you right now with yeah. that siren in the background. <laughs> Literally, as we started, that was the first noise I'd That's heard right. outside of this room. It keeps it real. So, founder of Garrett Light, California Optical, and we're actually here in Austin which is exciting that you're here. You um, obviously believe in Texas and you wanted to start a store here. So let's, let's talk about why that is happening for the, Finally, I yeah. guess. Finally, um, right, exactly. Yeah, well, retail is a big part of our brand and, and um, our business, and it has been from the beginning. Actually, the very first thing that I did was open a retail store on Abbott Kinney before I even had, you know, a collection of my own. We sold to other people's, you know, designs and products. Yeah. Not just eyewear. We were licensed opticians, um, but we were selling, you know, my friend's um, boot collection. She was making boots in downtown Los Angeles. My cousin had a, you know, basics collection of, like, tees and, and uh, what not and um and then we sold my father's collection all over people's vintage all over people's as well as a variety of other brands so anyways building off that we then introduced our collection and and um you know retail is just a big part of our experience we have five stores now this is our sixth and um i've just always loved austin from the first time that i visited what do you enjoy about austin um i think it's just so it's actually really similar to Venice Beach, where I'm from, Abbott Kinney. The community okay. of people is very creative. Um, you've got a great music scene, which we have, art scene. Um, and not necessarily my favorite, but as Venice has changed, the tech community is really, it's got like mm -hmm. a name. They call it Silicon Beach. Okay. Uh, and obviously that's huge here in Austin. So right. For better or worse, there's just this like, these parallels that make me feel at home here. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just a huge f foodie and music person. So this is really like, for me, it's like the capital for that. These two, there's two, those are two right. huge communities here. Um, and the weather's not too bad. The weather's not too bad Unless at all. It's August maybe. But all of this, yeah, don't come here in August because it'll be, a th unless you like a thousand degrees. And that's okay. I can handle it actually. I can too. I'd rather yeah. be hot than cold. Me too. But this all started somewhere. So I think we need to dive back into the fact that your father is a very prominent eyeglass wear legend, really. Larry Lyde, who mm -hmm. founded Oliver Peoples. And Oliver Peoples, I remember because I worked uh, on Sunset, and I'd walk by it on the way to Sunset Plaza. Yep. Right? I, I think that was the... That's where I started. That was the mother show. 1987. And so I would just walk by, and I would covet those glasses in the window. I loved them. I loved the ad campaign. Mm -hmm. Tell us about how that all has formed who you are now and the direction that you're going. So growing up Oliver Peoples, it was a huge part of my childhood, um, and it significantly rubbed off on, you know, the person that I am today. Um, Oliver Peoples coming out in Hollywood in the 80s and Sunset Plaza, it was just such an iconic brand and mm -hmm. such an iconic moment, and, and, and they had an incredible collection, they had an incredible staff, the people that worked there, the way that they um, did their business and treated people um, is what really kind of rubbed off on me and, and the philosophy that I took when I started my business. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it's just a huge inspiration, but uh, you know, we wouldn't have been successful if we basically just copied all of our people's. Mm -hmm. It was 30 years later, a new generation, but right. the, the principles that we really kind of took from that was just, um, you know, how you deal with customers in a retail setting and the sensitive choice of choosing glasses and um, designing a great collection and just kind of giving people that full experience. But our branding was different. We're from Venice Beach. It was 2009, you know, a totally different generation and feel. Um, but ultimately, you know, the way that, that all of our people's, you know, did their business is kind of what 
inspired me. Sure. Well, I think that Oliver Peoples gave eyeglasses a personality that wasn't there before. I mean, you really branded as the destination chic hip eyewear store. And it seems like that's what you're doing now with Garrett Light California Optical. Same sort of vibe. Yeah, I mean, if you just kind of look at the history of eyewear as well, it was like really not started in America. And the thing about it, Oliver Peoples was they create. They were really like the first iconic American eyewear brand mm-hmm. started by opticians to not fashion designers, which um, I think gave them an edge because you have that sensitivity, sensitivity and awareness and knowledge around prescription eyewear yeah um and you know um it's the same for us you know and i think it's just a little bit more familiar uh, especially like in a, in a community like austin texas or anywhere than some of the foreign brands that don't really speak our style and language as much so it's, it's just like um yeah it's just it's been it was it was different and unique yeah, they, they did that so i want to touch on something you just said and that is um you know that um, the people who design the eyeglasses are, you know, have, have in the past are not designers, but they're more, but they're more opticians. Has, has that evolved at all? Do fashion trends ever play a role in, in how and what you design and how so? Well, I mean, our design team is designers like myself and our head designer, Elena, I think, you know, style and, uh, fashion are extremely important to us. I didn't go to school for that trade. Right. But um, we're also licensed opticians. Um, and I think what I was saying is the people that work in the stores, they're not designing the f- collection, but they're mm-hmm. licensed opticians. So they really have that experience. But um, it really plays into the whole thing because we really understand the fit of frames and where things need to be tailored in order to be comfortable and last you a long time and you know represent a specific style that we're going for okay. fashion and trend certainly plays a role but we're hyperactively looking for you know trend and fashion and following all the runway shows and especially my head designer elena i mean she lives and breathes that whole world so uh it plays a significant role not just in style but colors and things that we choose and we always have like an art storyboard every season that's built off what we've seen and read whether it's in WGSN or other, you know, media outlets that, you know, inform designers and people of what's, what's on the horizon. So, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a balance of not, you know, uh, knowing how to make good fitting, comfortable, high quality frames, and then, you know, having your own sense or your own point of view with design. I can speak to that because yeah. we went to your store and it was a really great experience. Thank you. And your glasses are, I'd say they're one of the finest pair I've ever owned. Wow. Truly. That's right. Nice. They fit beautifully. The lens, I mean, it's just really amazing. So with that attention to quality and your clientele, how do, do your clients give you feedback on what works and what doesn't as well? Does that affect how you progress with, say, the next season of this worked, this didn't work, or this works better? with whatever circumstance. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why retail is so important. We we totally listen to our clients. Um, you know, the ones that want to give us feedback, we consider what they're saying and we see what's trending and what they're buying and what the, you know, what the general consensus is of our clients. We're lucky to have some of the coolest and most influential client, you know, clientele customer in the world. So, 
um, we would be naive not to consider some of the things that they uh, are experiencing when wearing our glasses. But then also everybody that works for us is obsessed with our eyewear and wear it on a daily basis. So they are. Listen, they you know, they yeah. love yeah. working for GLCO. They really <laughs> do. You can tell that. It's really, when you walk in, there's a vibe. It's, it's really nice. cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, all of those personal experiences with your eyewear all contribute to the decisions we make and continuing to make a better pair of glasses every season. And lucky enough to have... You know, my last 15 years of experience in the industry plus my dad's last 30 and my yeah. mom was in the industry. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of, uh, yeah, experience there. Yeah. And I know Rob had a question about going way, way back. Yeah. So tell us, you know, I'm really curious as to your answer with this, because if you surprise me, I'll be a little surprised, but not completely. But we always love the asses <laughs> of our guests. And that is what is the first dollar you ever earned? Um, well. Like not allowance, like allowance was like cleaning my parents' car. I had to wash my not allowance. Okay, yeah. that's every, a good start though. Well, every Saturday I had to wash my mom and dad's car. My you know my stepmom and my dad's car on Saturdays. I would clean both cars, and I actually just I hated it. <laughs> but um, household I, chores. Yeah, right. that so that one I wouldn't count as much as basically what happened was I was a tennis player and really? I earned a scholarship. Yeah, in college, Division One school, and it was pretty much my whole childhood I was playing tennis. No job, really. Just That was my job, full-time, okay. mm-hmm. and got a full scholarship for it. But then I realized I wasn't going to be a pro about two years into college, so I, I just had this burning desire to get a job. I, I just wanted to quit tennis. Yeah. All my friends were had jobs, you know, and right. um, I got a job at a pizza parlor, and I was delivering pizza and washing dishes. Um, wow. And I, and I loved it. Yeah, what did you love about it? Um, Just the independence, you know, like just the, you know, process of of earning your own paycheck and paying bills. And it was, you know, I guess it revolved around sort of like the getting paid to do work and you know managing your finances. And then just like, I don't know, everybody's just very similar in the work setting, and we're all just trying to like, you know, just getting excited by a good tip, getting angered at a bad one. Right. Just like (laughs) there was just beauty in it. Like I, I. it was a special time for me. I, you know, washing dishes was like not my favorite, but you know, it was part of the gig it, and it was fine. And I, and I worked there for about a year and, um, I loved, I did really actually liked it. It was very simple. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was not a complicated thing. And then, yeah. Well, on that it. note, what advice would you give to fellow entrepreneurs like yourself? Um, I obviously work ethic, strong worth ethic, ethic is, is key, but, how would you, if you had to give one potent piece of advice, what would that be? Um, wow, just one piece of advice? Okay, well, four. Well, maybe not four, but just like, <laughs> I, I can give one, but just finishing off what you were just saying before is like, I definitely think it's important for people to get a regular job at first. Just, you know, I, like I told that to my sisters who wanted me to hire her and I really wanted her like just to get a job at Starbucks or something yeah. because you get to really understand people, you know, right. the variety of people mm-hmm. that can come in and personalities and how to manage your feelings about all that. And, you know, the customer's always right kind of mentality. And it's just a really good, you know, way to just understand the way that people think. You know, yeah. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs today or want to be entrepreneurs, um, or people who want to be them um, want to just fast forward to being the successful yeah. you know, business owner. Um, and I just, depending on what it is, for the most part, especially if it's consumer facing at all, like I just don't understand how you can really understand your customer and how people are and what, you know, you may be able to get the product right, but then, right. 
you don't know how to sell it or um, how to service people. Right. So um, I think you know getting a regular job in the real world is a is a big and you know and then also understanding what it's like to work for somebody else so that you right. can share, you know, what did you like and what didn't you like? Right. So you can create a great environment if, and when you do start your own company to, you know, you know, create this environment of things right. that you would have liked had you been working there. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand how you can have all that without having that experience before that. And that's basically it. Other than the obvious one of just, you got to figure out what your passions are and just chase them. And if it's, you know, um, I personally don't think if your, your passion is being an entrepreneur is good enough. Like it has to be specific. What, what do you genuinely care about? Which is really hard to know at a young age. I think mm -hmm. it changes throughout yeah, your life. Totally. Um, but if it's sports, then, you know, you should, you know, being an entrepreneur in, in that category would be, right. you know, try, try to do that. Try yeah. to, you know, introduce the things that you genuinely are going to probably love your entire life into your work, you know, so that, you know, you're always wanting to you know, be around it, I guess. Yeah. That's it. That was more that. Than well, that's, that's really great advice. And I, I'll, I'll follow up with that with one question. It's how did your time working for others influence how you manage your team? Yeah, my two experiences working for others was the pizza parlor. Then I left there and I worked at an optical shop uh, in my college community. Then I went to work at MTV when I moved to LA. So I really got, and then I worked for my dad's company. So I really got MTV, which was completely corporate. Right. I got Mon Pa, which was like the pizza shop and the optical shop, you know, and then a mid sized company, which was my dad's mm -hmm. um, at Oliver People's, which I was there for three years. And. That was definitely my favorite environment. Um, they weren't yet fully corporate. Um, it was a great family That's atmosphere. They were acquired by. Uh, they had just been acquired by Oakley. Oakley. And Oakley okay. didn't really make it super corporate. It was more when got Oakley it. sold to Luxottica, yeah. it got more corporate. Yeah. Um, so I got to kind of see that transition, okay. which mm -hmm. was great. Good and learning lessons for you. For sure. And and that was my favorite. It, yeah. Everybody was so loyal to the family and the product and the company. Um, and people loved working there and were really took pride in the things that they created and uh, felt like they were contributing to the success, you know, until it became like you were contributing to some Italian company that you didn't know. Mm -hmm. So um, that was extremely informative. It was like I wanted a combination of that and somehow the pizza experience, you know, where yeah. Yeah. young, you know, um, people in the workforce could come in and have a great experience and see, okay. that, you know, um, what's out there. I, I only feel bad for some of the young people that have left and struggled to find something. We And we haven't lost a lot of employees, but, um, you know, it, it can be a bit of an illusion if you come into a company that right. actually does have a good culture and you're new to the workforce Yeah, because you think maybe it's supposed to be like that. And we haven't had a ton, but there's been a couple people that I see that are like struggling to find something as good. Yeah. Um, but more or less, that's what I learned. I just, I learned that I wanted to, you know, empower and encourage my employees, try to give them a good environment and culture, care about their personal happiness, uh, without ever sacrificing the, the greater good, which was keeping the company healthy and alive. Absolutely. And you had mentioned the customer comes first as yeah. part of your corporate ethos. What are some other tenants that Garrett Light, California Optical would really pay attention to and consider as part of the brand in working with your clientele? Um, you're, that's definitely a big one is, is customer happiness, personal happiness just across the board. Um, you know, whether it's for the customer or the employee, um, 
or the factories we work with. We try to work with uh, ethical factories, zero waste uh, emissions factories, um, people that treat their their employees correctly. So across the board, that's something that matters to me. Um, so I think those are some of the key corporate tenants for sure. I mean, we're trying, you know, it's, it's a difficult category to have like a sustainable business in, but we've definitely reduced our plastic use and, um, you know, we're, we're actively trying to do better, Mm -hmm. uh, as a company, uh, to not contribute to any of that, those issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've evolved as a human along the road and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like when you own a private company and, and you're like the sole proprietor and in charge of that, it's kind of a reflection of who I am and who I continue to become. And it's right. the things that I continue to believe in and trying to implement those into the, to the, to the, to the brand. It's more than, it's not really, I mean, it's more than just trying to make money and be successful. You know, I think right. there's other things that are important and I try to like share that with the team and our customer. Absolutely. So what's the best career on that note? What's the best piece of career advice you've ever received? Good one. Uh, the best piece of career advice I've ever received. Um, it could be from your dad. I think it is. You know, I, I think my dad, just something I always go back to, and I don't know that it's career advice, but he always, for whatever reason would say um, just to be, to, Expect the best, but prepare for the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important for me just in building my company. I made sure that I had extremely intelligent people that worked for me that were, you know, I, you know, I, I consider myself to be pretty self-aware. I know mm-hmm. my strengths and my weaknesses, and I always kind of hired for my weaknesses, which is another piece of advice yeah. that my dad gave me. Um, and I think that's kind of falls within line of expecting the best, but preparing for the worst. So just kind of that ultimately led me to build a team that helps protect against right. um, terrible things from happening, whether it has to do with finance, operations, customer service, quality controls, design, marketing. You know, we try to ha- make sure we have an incredible foundation around us um, and an incredible team and, you know, try to eliminate any type of jealousy or, you know, yeah. anything like that. I mean, it's right. the bigger picture, you know, is, is the, the health and wellness of the company. Yeah. Uh, or else we, if, as long as we enjoy that experience of, of working at this company, then we have to protect right. that. So, um, just being prepared for anything that may come at you, but you know, that's yeah. great. And, and, and let's get to design for a second. If you don't mind, tell us about, because we are an, an audio component if we were visual, you could tell us about what glasses to pick, what you're loving, yeah. and all that. Are there any rules for choosing premium optical selections with the size or shape of a face, sure. a hair color? I'd love to talk about that if you don't mind. It's easy, yeah. I, I have one rule that is like I, I stick by that I genuinely believe in, which really is just about comfortability. And I don't mean physical comfortability. I mean more just like the feeling of it. Um, you know, you should never wear anything that you don't think you look good in. Mm-hmm. Anything that you have doubts on. Don't ever let someone convince you that that's your style. You need that. Because there are rules in terms of face shape. Yeah. Um, what are some of those rules? And, yeah, and that's what I was going to get to next is, you know, you've got round faces, oval, heart-shaped, square. Typically, mm-hmm. that's like the four. Um, and the main rule of thumb there is that you choose a frame that's the opposite. So if you have a round face, you don't want really want round glasses because it just kind right. of highlights that. You would want something more squared off. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're a guy with a round face, a squared off frame could be a cat eye. And you're not going to be right. comfortable on a women's cat eye frame. So that's why that yeah. first rule kind of trumps Or maybe it an aviator. It's kind of squared off Oh, a yeah, bit, yeah, right? for sure. It could Ish. be an aviator. Yeah. But 
management. The first yeah. rule is really you got to feel comfortable. But then, yeah, uh, it's the opposite of your face shape. And oval face shape is the best. You typically look good in everything. Um, and a square face would look better in a round frame. And a right. heart shape would look better in a in like a round frame. Um, so, yeah. That's basically the, yeah. the rules. Right so now. what if someone like me comes in and they really think they know what's best for them? And you're like, oh, man, I would really look at another direction. How do you how do you tackle that tastefully? You just try to navigate that conversation. And, you know, sometimes you just can't get in someone's way. And you let yeah. them do right. their thing. And right. you, you try. And we have more than one person in the store. And sometimes it can be two to one. And they'll start to rethink. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I mean do lose the sale altogether. But, like, I've never been the fan of having someone out in the universe that looks terrible in a frame saying that they got the frame from us. Right. right. <laughs> you know? That is really great advice. So For anyone yeah. with any business. Yeah, it's just not a great representation of yeah. us. But, you know, sometimes you can't stop. Some people are, feel very strongly about fashion and style, and they just don't necessarily align with what we would think we're good, and we're yeah. not going to stop them. But we'll try to show them some things that we think would maybe look better. Um, and if we have a really good person working in the store, which we typically we always do, um, you can kind of get close. You can kind of see what they're trying to do. Yes. So mm-hmm. you're not putting what you would put on them if they came in with nothing, saying yes. nothing. Right, right. But you're kind of trying to achieve Got whatever it. it is they're trying to do, but yeah. just a little better. Good to know. So if I wanted a, a set of eyeglasses that Elton John looked great in, doesn't mean it would look great in me. Correct. Especially his style. Especially his style. <laughs> That's an extreme example. Well, yeah, of rhinestones. An lover, right? Well, on that note, because sunglasses to me are the ultimate fashion accessory, what do you think makes the sunglasses the ultimate fashion accessory? Um, well, people's face is like the first thing you see, really. You yeah. Know? So it's a huge character judgment moment for people, you know, and... Mm-hmm. and um, something that really is overpowering can really mm-hmm. lead someone to think something before kind of doing that. So mm-hmm. I, it's a very powerful tool is what mm-hmm. I'm getting at because it's our first impression. Um, but there's a variety of things. I mean, it's a very, you can get high fashion luxury. It's more attainable than a handbag or right. pair of shoes. So mm-hmm. everybody kind of gets to participate uh, for the most part. Um, those are two huge factors is that like, you know, you look at a lot of these fashion brands that have added eyewear because, you know, you can't get a Chanel bag, but you can get a $500 pair of Chanel glasses. Right. So it kind of lets you be part of the Chanel community, even if you can't afford to really be. Right. Um, so that makes it a very powerful fashion accessory. Um, so it's, it's those two things, I would say. From a design standpoint, I love that you pay attention to technology because you had glasses that fold in half. Which is like super cool James Bond awesomeness to me. Yeah. And it fits in a really small case, that sort of thing. So will you continue to develop more things like that with a with a, a nod to technology? Yeah, I look at that more as like engineering just uh-huh, because in right. today's day. I mean engineering. No, That's, I know, yeah. but today's day yeah. technology has really become this thing where like, and we're seeing it in our industry where people are trying to get GPS and glasses and um you know, a variety of other things. And, you know, I struggle with it because I'm a bit of a purist when Mm -hmm. it comes to design. Like, I I feel like I want to stand for, you know, the the true artistry behind it, Um, you know, rather than like, you know, when it comes to the product design, I, I... I tend to look at the business side of it as, in a smaller way and really mm-hmm. try to respect the process of the design and fulfill my, you know, our team with people that are genuinely passionate about style. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, I don't want tech to interfere with that. I don't ever want it to become, you know, like a machine where it's more just about, you know, oh, these glasses are cool because if I lose them, they have GPS on them. And mm-hmm. it, not right. that I maybe wouldn't participate in that business in a separate way, but for the Garrett Life brand, um, I like to think that we're really you know, um, historical purists on like the history of design and trying to, you know, reinvent a little bit of the past in our own way and respect that part. But what you're referring to is just like a, a type of engineering technology that I think is really fun for us to introduce. Mm-hmm. And the folding frame was a big hit, super cool, a little bit more masculine, I think, cause that whole idea of like, it's small, I can carry right. whatever is, yeah. is more attractive. Uh, so, uh, that was a great moment for us. I love that frame. Well done. Yeah. Love it. Well, yeah. So speaking of design, who are some of your favorite designers, past or present? Um, really good question. Past or present. Um, I mean, we spoke about Chanel. I've always been a big fan of that brand. Um, what do you like about Chanel? Well, I mean, I saw the movie, you know, so her story yeah. is really beautiful and amazing. And I'm, you know, I'm just obsessed and love, uh, you know, French, uh, the historical friend. My wife, my wife makes like wedding gowns. So like that whole level yeah. of design wow, yeah. is very inspiring to me. Um, specifically for eyewear, it's kind of a bit biased, but I mean, my dad really is uh, a legend and, and mm-hmm. has done so many incredible things. Um, yeah, I'm having like a little bit of. A well, you you know what you need Those to are watch. Two well, they are, and you know what you need to watch. It only ran for one season on Amazon, but it's called The Collection, and okay. it's set at a Paris atelier in the late '40s, right after World War II. Okay, you would really get an appreciation out of it because it's yeah. kind of a compilation of all the major right. fashion design houses of Paris of the day, kind of rolled into one. Mm. And it's cool. It, it's it really an interesting probably. show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. What do you look for inspiration these days? Do you go to an art gallery or a museum and think, aha? Yeah that that pair of glasses from that 1902 painting could be revived or how does that work with you i get inspiration from inspiring people like uh-huh. listening and talking to people that are passionate about things that are they can be related to my industry or not um but what really inspires me are people that are genuinely inspired about a specific topic or a specific mm-hmm. thing about standing for something and just talking with them mm-hmm. and hearing their ideas. And then, you know, I think really big, yeah. um, this is yeah. kind of how my mind is. I, I, you know, it's hard for me to not see a small good concept and think about like how that could be even bigger. Right. So having these relationships with various people and kind of not saying that they think small, but if they're thinking about something just kind of like, conversating about that and it just really gets the juices going and you start and expanding it and making it your own. Yeah. And then, listening, yeah. And then they, and you, you get, you start inspiring them and yep. then you're, all of a sudden you're having this big conversation and there, and if they're intelligent, interesting people, they're bringing things to the table and that whole moment for me is really inspiring. Right. Right. Um, you know, I'm sort of the leader, founder, CEO of the company and I do have some artistic skill sets and I participate in design, but I don't really consider myself a, a designer. Mm-hmm. So, Art museums and those things aren't going to, like seeing a painting won't do it. Right. But talking about that artist, the painter, mm-hmm. with, a, with a person who knows a lot about art and maybe what drove that person and what they were trying to achieve and what they'd never achieved that maybe right. people, you know, like that is the type of stuff that will inspire me. Not as much the art itself, but the, the, the what inspired that person to make the art or what was driving that art at that period of time. So I love history. So like... You're speaking about 1940s, you know, right. fashion and, and that. So, like, it would be more about that time and what was okay. going on. And maybe because mm-hmm. I believe you can apply history to the present. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So just 
knowledge and learning about those things is ins- that's more inspiring to me. Right, which I think is perfect for our next question, which is <laughs> the drum roll, please. <laughs> no, um, so the dinner, we're actually almost the dinner party question. It is a dinner party question, yeah. so is we it? can do that. And, but we're getting close out of time. But so, who are five people from history? <laughs> okay, you would have at a dinner party. Okay. I've, I've Besides your dad and Coco Chanel, obviously. No, I wouldn't. I don't want either of them. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe Coco Starting Chanel. Starting from scratch. No. Okay. Um, I would do... So my favorite author is Charles Bukowski, and he's okay. just a total alcoholic, and he would be so fun at dinner. <laughs> I mean, and then you got to give some people for him to mix it up with. I'd love Marilyn Monroe and, and JFK mm-hmm. there. Um, As a couple, seated next to each other. Well, I've thought about throwing Jackie O in too, just to really uh, make really things that would oh, that'd be fun. Party. And then you've got you well, got every those. host nightmare is I, something you would court. Yeah, <laughs> you got those three, and then you got Charles Bukowski. So it's like really crazy, um, you know. Uh, and then just like an interesting musician would be great. Like it could be a modern one, like a Rihanna, because mm-hmm. she's just wild and would make that crazy. Or just like a Billie Holiday. Yeah, oh, um, those are good ones. Oh, I, I, I lean Billie Holiday because I I kind of want old people from the past so that they're more present. Like I'm I'm, a, I'm a, I'd be afraid that Rihanna wouldn't be present. She might have. A yeah. Oh, well, that's true. You know, I don't <laughs> right. She might not want to be there. And well, Billy so, would be glad to be not dead and yeah, to be at your dinner exactly. party table and really be present, be right? Yeah. Well, it, absolutely. It's so. really interesting because those all those people are roughly the same era, the 50s and 60s. You know, yeah, in a lot yeah. of cases. What do you love about that era? Um, well, for sure, the style and fashion and. Yeah. Um, I just think people were really intellectual back then. That's kind of like the rise of the intellectual yeah. era. And um, I don't know. I guess I do really like that era. Maybe it's my dad's childhood. Okay. Me. You know, mm-hmm. he was born in the early 50s. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And you're I mean, right. I like it was so era. stylish. I, mean, I love the movie Midnight in Paris, too. So oh, I love yeah. that There you go. Too. Yeah. I mean, you know. It, Great soundtrack, too. It yeah, is. For sure. Yeah. It um, is. I guess, yeah, you pointed that out. They're all kind of from that era. Obviously not Rihanna, but I don't think she made the cut. <laughs> you just kind of threw that in there. She's kind of got that, in there for that the end. old, I think she has that really classic elegance. Oh, yeah. for sure. You know, She's just beautiful. intuitively. Yeah. And she yeah. carries herself beautifully and yeah. with a very modernized contemporary point of view, obviously. Yeah. I yeah. think she kind of harkens back to that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. She does. Yeah. And so we are we are out of time, but we always like to end with this question, and that is what is one common trait you think all stylish people possess? One common trait all yeah. stylish people possess. Yeah. Um, Easiest question of the whole why is chat here. It's so easy. <laughs> you got this. And you can describe it in a word or in a phrase or however however you would want to. Um, just confidence. That is, you know, that is a that is a really good one. That's one we often get as, as an answer from people. I would have laid money on that. And I'm not a betting man, but I would have put money that you would have said. <laughs> well, that. you said stylish, yeah. so that means it's confirmed. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. trying to be stylish. They are. You wouldn't be confident. Good point. It's Absolutely. All stylish people are not questioning what they wore when they leave the house. That They're is true. Confident. Very true. That's awesome. Well, we are so glad to know you, Garrett Light, California Optical, the man behind the legend. So everyone, I'm glad to have you here, and you're welcome at any time. We'd love to have you on again whenever you're available. We'll come to your place in Venice. How's that? Yeah, I bet you Surf and then a podcast. (laughs) Oh, I know Venice really well, and Abbott Kinney. uh, But everyone, I'm Lance Every Morgan with Success With Style, and we are... And we are signing off, and I am Rob Giardinelli, signing off on Success With Style, reminding you that great style starts by having a unique point of view. Have a great day, everyone. Bye, everyone.